0: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Take Your Pills Psychopath. I'm your host John F O'Donnell, Jfod. Um real quick, up front because I always forget to do this. Uh if you have not joined my newsletter yet at jfodnews.com, please do. It's the best way to stay in touch with me and I, uh, I send out these interesting newsletters with uh, written out stories about things that I've been through. I let you know about new uh, YouTube videos and the podcast guests. Uh, also, it gives me this little, you know, dopamine hit that I like uh, when I see in my email that another psycho has joined the community. So please do that. Um, JFODnews.com. Cool. Oh, also one thing I keep forgetting, uh, to ask is, uh, please psychos, let other people know about the podcast so we can, uh, keep growing this thing. That would mean a lot to me. So anybody that you think, uh, would dig at a, um, you know, the comedy podcast that exploits mental illness for a personal profit, let them know. Uh, thank you. And, oh, I have, uh, been working really hard on my YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, just type John F. O'Donnell on YouTube and then the first thing that comes up is my channel Then click on that channel. Subscribe, watch some videos, leave some comments would be awesome. And yeah, keep emailing me at takeyourpillspod at gmail.com. That would be so cool. Let me know uh, what you want me to talk about, any of your personal experiences that you'd like me to share. Uh, yeah, let's go into it. I am... Um, I don't know if you guys noticed there was not an episode last week because, um, I got to be honest, I think it's a little bit of uh, what goes up must come down. You know how I've been talking about the past number of weeks on and off feeling like I've had these low-grade manic episodes, maybe bordering on hypomania, Um, luckily it not spinning all the way out. Well, guess what, uh, y'all? The past, I'd say, mm, 10 days or so, um, certainly what I would call a uh, low-grade depression. Um, Yeah, it kind of uh, didn't, I guess it didn't come out of nowhere, but I wasn't expecting it. It was just sort of, it kind of hit me, and last week, it was like the bottom dropped out, uh, you guys, and... It was just a lot, a lot of sleeping, a lot of kind of avoiding things, a lot of no motivation to uh, do work. I mean, I can't totally separate it from what is going on uh, in the country, Uh, you know, still the pandemic is going on, Uh, you know, protests all over the country surrounding police brutality. A lot of my friends Uh, being in New York city, being acutely involved in that me being, uh, out here in suburban New Jersey, uh, feeling very torn about that, feeling very separated from them from that, um, world, um, you know, doing what I can on my end. I went to a unity rally out here in the suburbs, people showing their support, pushing back against police brutality. I thought that was uh was cool that's happening out here. Um I don't know. The uh the depression stuff it's weird. It's so just reiterated reiterated for me once again that it's so irrational. It's just like uh wow, I'm in the same mode that I was in theoretically the day before, two days before uh doing this podcast that I'm happy to be doing, interviewing people I care about, people I find uh, interesting and respect, appreciating them, opening up about things, uh, pushing that out, working hard on my newsletters, my YouTube videos, doing my thing, you know, looking forward to when live performance comes back. One of my favorite things to do, my favorite thing to do, Uh, but this past week, it was like certain days, even I would get up, I would get up. And then a couple hours later, boom, exhausted. It was almost like my brain and body were recovering from that sort of heightened state that I was in. And it was acutely clear to me. Uh, and I'll tell you it was and is, and I think I'm still in it, to be honest, it is very, very hard to, for me to stay on top of doing the things that I want to do that I'd like to do to stay well. The whole sort of, uh, you know, diet starts to slip, starts to go out the window for me. Um, You know, exercise that is on the shelf. Even the the meditation, yoga, that stuff starts to slip, all of it for me. And it's hard. It's hard when you know, when I know those are the things that I'd like to do, but I just don't have the energy or the will. And yeah, so I'm trying to cut myself some slack on it. I was disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to get this episode together last week. Because I' I'm, so, uh, I'm so proud of this episode. I'm so proud of the person that I got to interview. It is uh, a dear, dear friend of mine. He's like a brother to me. Uh, his name is Hans Freiwald. He is a, a great sketch comedian um, in the sketch group The Jerk Practice. It's also uh, the podcast The Jerk Practice. He's uh, a former roommate of mine. He has been there for me through uh, thick and thin. He was acutely, acutely around me, living with me during the uh, epic uh, manic episode of 2008 in Long Island City, Queens. We get into that and it's uh it's so, so interesting to get to talk to him now because we're very close and we, uh, I mean, we're just, we're we're very close in the respect that there's a strong affinity and a love and respect for each other. Although, and I, I believe we get into this right up top, is that we're not in touch with each other as much as we would like, but our friendship doesn't skip a beat. And it's interesting because, We've sort of not been acutely in each other's lives for a while, but now coming back around and connecting in the capacity that we did uh, in this podcast, we kind of compare notes on our mental wellness journey, y'all. And I'm so impressed with him. I'm so proud of him. And he's such a kick-ass person. Uh, And the conversation just got epic, y'all. We talked for mm, over a three and a half hours and I was completely engaged the entire time. So uh, this episode is going to be broken up into three parts. It's my first three-parter, y'all psychos. So you're in for a treat. Um, my plan of action is to get all three of these parts out this week. So part one coming out Monday, part two, Wednesday, part three, Friday. So then in my mind, I will have made up for missing last week. And it just seems like the way to do it is to, um, you know, get out this flow of the conversation of the episode, uh, within a week's time, because, We cover so, so much. I mean, we catch up, we talk about different insights into mental health, which is really interesting. We tell stories about our sort of wild, wild days in uh, NYC, bouncing around as young comics, and there's a lot of laughs there. Hans is just through and through such a kind, genuine person And the truth is, I didn't even know about a lot of the demons that he had uh, beneath the surface. He uh, opens up about them. I mean, it makes sense now. I mean, if he's going to be so close to me, obviously something's going on with him. Uh, But yeah, he opens up about his recovery. He's been in recovery uh, from alcoholism for a number of years now. More recently, he got a diagnosis of bipolar 2 disorder. Uh, very interesting. I have bipolar one disorder. We get into um, you know, we compare and contrast bipolar one and bipolar 2, something that I have uh, wanted to do on the podcast for a while. And you know, we just we just connect and it means a lot to me in this, this difficult time in so many ways that I get to uh, you know tap into these these loving, wonderful people who I feel so so thrilled and appreciative to have in my life. And Hans Freiwald is definitely uh, one of those people and he's got a great family. His awesome, awesome wife, Meg Howe, who I love to death. And we all would hang out so, so much uh, in New York. And she's a badass musician. And they got a baby, y'all, Ruby, who I got to meet digitally uh, the other day. So he's kicking ass. He's been through so much. And it, it really is some triumph of the human spirit type shit. I'm sure there's other things that I wanted to talk about on this pod uh, intro, but the last thing I'll leave you with is I do realize listening back to this uh, within the first five minutes or so of the episode, I talk about how I feel like I have such great carbon now in my dramatic path has opened up to kind of point me in the direction of what I'm supposed to do with my life. Um now, I don't fully disagree with that statement saying it now. I there's a lot of things I do agree with it, but I think it's kind of funny for a person to say they feel great about their karma and then without question, I'm going to honestly 2 to 3 days later fall into a low grade depression. Uh, for seven to 10 days. Uh, Kind of ridiculous, maybe a little bit of hubris came back to uh, kick me in the teeth a little bit. But that being said, I feel myself coming out of it, um, getting back on track with my mental wellness uh, tool, a kit. Uh, And the truth is, for me to have this low-grade depression where I wasn't even completely avoiding interacting with other people, to be honest. Um, I just didn't have the motivation to do much. I kind of uh, missed a couple digital social interactions that I wanted to take part in. Um, But I do think that all in all, this up and down, this swing... Wow, I am grateful for the lack of severity of it. And I'm really, really hoping that moving forward, if I have to weather more storms, that they cannot rise above this sort of uh, this pitch, this tempo, this energy level. Because although it's not been pleasant, it's been way, way worse for me. And I'm so fucking grateful. That I have more of a handle compared to less because people that don't treat something like bipolar disorder, as they get older, the episodes tend to get worse and worse and more frequent. So if I'm moving in the right direction, you psychos, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah. And just delving into work right now, getting into it and working on editing this podcast and getting it ready and making the artwork and figuring out what I want to talk about in the intro, putting it up, doing all that stuff, getting back into the work already makes me feel better. So that's where I'm at. Let me know where y'all are at. Email me at TakeYourPillsPod at gmail.com. Let's discuss. Let me know what you think. And right now, enjoy part one of Take Your Pills Psychopath with Hans Freywald Hans what's up man how are you I'm good man how you doing good to see you I'm good I'm good it's great to see you um like uh, I'll tell you so when we when we talked the other day, because it's like you're one of these people that instantly, even if we're not in touch for a long period of time, right when we connect, it's like the friendship does not skip a beat. Like I always say to people, you're like a brother to me. I love you so much. And it's the sort of thing when we do connect and we do talk, it's so fun that then it makes me think like why do we suck at keeping in touch with each other?
1: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Like there's so much joy. I have very few... Friends like that, you know what I mean. There's either um, people I'm I'm in contact pretty regularly because of proximity, or people I'll never ever ever talk to again because I'm <laughs> isolated and self centered. And then there's people like you, m- brother, for sure. Um, where it's just like, boom, I know I can, I know I can count on you. I know I can check in on you. Now, why we don't do it on a regular basis, I don't know. I guess. You know, it's life stuff. It's life it's stuff. You know what I mean? It is what it is. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. That doesn't mean I love you any less or care any less or, you know, in the broader spectrum, these people in my life that, you know, there's such long periods between keeping up. It's just, it is what it is. That's why we have such a strong friendship because I know I can pick up the phone anytime, day or night and, you know, and poke you. And I know yeah. we're right back at it. Cause I know we have that connection. That brings me a lot of joy for sure.
0: I feel the same way and I'm and I'm so psyched to get, to connect with you right now. Why don't you Okay, so give everybody some context. So, I'm sure when I do the intro after this, I'll, you know, I'm going to like I'm going to definitely, of course, like explain stuff, but just give everybody some context about uh your version of the origin story of our friendship in New York City.
1: Okay. Um so I moved to New York in 2005, right? With uh one of my best friends, couple of my best friends, Casey and Henning, I'm sure we'll get into that, my sketch writing partners, partners in crime. Tell them um, right now, the
0: jerk practice, dude. Yeah, sketch
1: group, jerk practice. We've been doing it for a long time. We've been sketching in one form or another since 2001 or 2002, starting in Minneapolis, starting way back. I grew up with Casey. Um, that being said, we make our journey to New York in 2005. We have a mutual friend, Timmy. Often I hear on, on the pause, like Timmy from The Whitest Kids, right? Um, Timmy Williams, um, he's a good friend of ours growing up in Watertown, South Dakota as well. Casey and I are doing sketch in Minneapolis, chipping away at the sketch comedy scene in Minneapolis. <laughs> and meanwhile, we have we have this, this friend of ours um, on this parallel track doing sketch comedy in New York. And my God, like every time I talk to him and see him, I was just like, that scene out there is like burgeoning and beautiful. And like, even the backdrops of their videos is this like gritty, you know, early 2000s New York. And I'm just like,
0: Sure. Uh, for you guys listening at home, basically, our friend Timmy Williams is one of the members of the Whitest Kids You Know, which was this groundbreaking breaking sketch group, and they did all this cool stuff. They had a show for a number of seasons on IFC. It was actually the the longest running uh, amount of seasons for like a, specifically for an exclusively for a sketch show, like um, because they did an ex- one more season than even Kids in the Hall, and it's great. And the whole that whole crew, all of them are our friends, and Timmy uh, grew up with uh, with Hans and Casey. Go ahead.
1: Boom. Thank God for you. Yeah, I'm uh, my details are garbage, man. But uh so No, this is cool. I love
0: this stuff. I love this stuff. I wanna hear Yeah, it.
1: yeah. Uh I'm gonna be as uh as clear headed and concise as possible we moved and the all market. you say
0: all you psychos listening at home don't worry we will get into the bipolar one versus bipolar two oh, yeah, we fair. also will get into the um you know the uh the kind of alcoholism and uh substance abuse as a disease uh mm. and uh, explaining that and how there still is stigma around that so don't you guys worry first we're going to just do a little bit of reminiscing about the new york city comedy scene just like in the episode before i hope you guys enjoyed it because more of it's happening go ahead hans
1: Nice, nice. Let me let me pin that real quick. Can I butter your biscuit real quick?
0: Yeah, butter those biscuits. Baby.
1: I I listen to the pod. I love the pod. I think um obviously I love you and I think it's just such a helpful um tool for those out there listening. I know it's helped me. It's helped me relate and uh and just real quick, just proud of you, buddy. That's what I want to say. I love you, man.
0: Well, can I say that 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 absolutely means the world to me uh coming from you? Thank you because you know what? I know in my heart that this is, this is the the right thing for me to do. I feel like I've, um, I don't know. I feel, I, I feel like I, I know this sounds weird, everybody. I feel like I have good karma at this point. I really do. And I feel like I, for whatever reason, because I really do try to come from a place of trying to be kind and compassionate to people. It seems like, you know, my karma has gotten to a point where my, dharmatic path my dharma has opened up so i sort of know kind of what my sort of sort of subject in a loose sense know what my kind of goal or my 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 mission in life is like like what my karma is to do and it's to use comedy to try to destigmatize mental health issues and the fact that i'm doing it means when you give me a compliment like that i can just say thank you and you know what I'm I'm proud too. I think we're gonna all do something great here because the more of us that can connect and we can create a community and we can realize, like, look, so much of this mental illness is connected with feeling bad about having the mental illness, feeling ashamed about the mental illness is a big chunk of the mental illness, and right, that's due course. to socialization. You know, yeah. I mean, I thought it was profound, but you said, of course, that's fine. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, no, just, no, I'm no. just kidding. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that, it's that vicious cycle, man. It's that constant loop and it's, and it's so, um, detrimental to, to what it is we, we're already dealing
0: with. Can you talk about, talk about a little bit what it was like for you to kind of get through that? Like, what are some things you did? What are some tools you've used to get through that To get or get over the shame, to
1: get over the stigma and the shame? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've heard you talk about this tool belt a lot, right? Or you know, and, and there's all these, these, these tools we have access to. I, you know, um, recovery is a part of my story. I know we're going to talk about that, but, you know, uh, medications, a part of my story and talk about that talk therapy, behavioral therapy is a part of my story, meditation, yoga, stepping back, you know, gratitude. There's just, there's just all these aspects. And then, you know, I want to kick the shit out of myself all the time you know when i when i get into that and i just want to beat myself up worse than the stigma the external stigma that's already out there right so i let it ruminate and it's not so much like the rumination that'll kill me it's the fact that i'll ruminate on the rumination you know what i mean so like it's these racing thoughts and it just keeps going and going and the only way to, for me to break that loop is to step step back and honestly you know as cheesy as it may sound give myself some s- self love understand that these are just thoughts this is just my emotions on the projector that is h face and and this too shall pass this movie will stop right and another one will start up hopefully brighter and sunnier but it might be dark and fucked but you know these things uh, they all fluctuate and and it's the acceptance of that fluctuation that that uh you know it allows me to get through
0: 24 hours at a time man for real for real and i'm grateful for so perfectly for that. well said it's so perfectly well said and none of it sounds silly cuz it makes it makes complete sense it's basically it's like it's a lot it's it's everybody at the end of the day when it's like we look into our mental health tool tool bags it's not like everybody has tool bags toolboxes, whatever yeah. like uh everybody it's not like everybody has a completely this is my unique, completely individualistic way to deal with my mental health. Like it's like it's like no, it is it is. Like, there are the things. It's just it's the idea of being able to do all of them and stay on top of them. It's not it's it's just like it's kind of like it has to be like a little by little sort of building sort of thing that or otherwise it gets kind of overwhelming. But it's the sort of thing where you and I, we've we have been, you know, Uh, Working on our mental health and our mental wellness and making our mental wellness central to our life separately from each other. When we were around each other living together, it's like maniacs in our 20s. You know (laughs) what I mean? We were fucking, you know, we were fucking partying like rock stars all the time. It was like, you know, we were great friends to each other. We weren't actively like being, you know, like malicious to ourselves, but, or maybe, but like, but you know what I mean? What I'm trying to say is we've gone separately. Um, because we you know, we haven't been like acutely around each other like we used to for years. Correct. But we, we're both now meeting up at a point where we've both really put in that work to get our mental health central to our life, And but uh, kind of in separate ways. But yet, as you just said what you just said, it was basically a lot of the things that I talk about on this podcast that sure. you're doing as well, because we didn't come up with these things or invent them. So it's kind of nice that, look at us, we're kind of meeting in the middle here as these sort of like... You know um, as if people that have kind of taken different roads to get to the same spot and it's it's kind of beautiful. I just I just sort of kind of put that together in that moment right there.
1: Well, I think that's fair and that's another aspect of, of what can you utilize to get over these stigma. It's exactly what you're talking about. It's this podcast. it's communicating with other people. We are, for myself, I have something that's been coined like terminally unique. Like I think I'm the only one that has these issues and they're so specific to me then I hear somebody on a pod, right? Or I hear somebody on stage discuss it. Or I hear somebody, you know, uh, in recovery discuss it. And I connect and I go, oh, fuck. All right. That person is going through the same shit, right? It's so easily forgotten. But of course they are, right? Because we are all part of this, you know, <laughs> vast connection of fuckery. <laughs> and we all have this, <laughs> the these same issues going on. Of course we do. Even if people aren't manifesting them or focusing on them. Or maybe they're not as heightened in them as me or you or whatever. Fuck that. It, that. That nugget is in there somewhere, baby. Maybe they don't dance on it, you know? Maybe they don't dance and, and eat from it every day, but it's there, and, it, and they can admit that they have had this thought, even if it's a thought like, thank fucking God, I don't have bipolar 2 disorder, you know what I mean? It's still a thought. We're still sharing that little treat, you know what I mean? So... Fair enough.
0: I I, I, agree, I agree dude I agree Anybody that's like Everybody that's like Right at home And like totally Normal and like Mentally stable In this fucking Current fucking World and situation That level of Detached fucking Sociopathy or Whatever Meta sociopathy I don't even know What the fuck it would be But I do love the Term of phrase Terminally unique Because there is Something about that Where it's like me My pain My mental illness It's like No one could possibly Ever it's like because that that there that is has that's a that's like even though even if someone feels bad about themselves when they're being like that, it actually is still narcissism. It's like the flip side of narcissism. Yes, you yes, know what I mean? Yes, Where yes. it's like you are just you know? as
1: selfish if you are, you know, crushing your own um well-being as if you're trying to crush someone else, if, if that makes any sense. I that 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 was a shitty way to put it.
0: No, no, it's more like you're just as narcissistic if you're trying to crush yourself with the equal kind of gravitas as you are if a narcissist is trying to like build themselves up to think how special. Yeah, they are, ego like inflation
1: and ego deflation is all self-centered um uh worship or whatnot. Because you, you can't you can't get out of yourself if you're doing that, right? Whether you're inflating yourself or deflating yourself, you're specifically in self, right? And for me, the only way to cover and get through the day is to get the fuck out of my head, get the fuck out of my body, and try and help someone else or connect with someone else, or you know what I mean? Because, because when I'm, you know, when I'm focusing on myself, you know, I got a lot of, I got a lot of issues too uh, that are that are there for the for the focusing. You know,
0: but you know, it's so funny though. It's like I feel, and this is something I feel. I feel like I've always, I've never. I've always just seen you you've always been so good to me and it's always like been so much fun. Like I've never seen any of that stuff. Like I know it's there and I know it's probably why we are so connected and, right. and get along with each other so well. But I guess part of me is always like, Oh, in my friend group, everybody must just think I'm the most I'm like the insane person mm. and everybody so then like relatively speaking, everybody else is just sort of Normal, And I still in the back of my mind sometimes when I'm around people, even though I'm like, wait, objectively, everybody's we're just everybody's just seeing me and we're happy to see each other. Nobody's like, oh, here comes crazy Johnny, you know, but
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: There's still that little tinge back there. Right. That it's like, oh, they know I'm this damaged, wounded person, you know. Yeah. And so they're going to probably compartmentalize me or keep a little bit of distance they're probably not going to be as close with me as with other people Like, even if they accept me as a friend it's going to be at arm's length because I'm damaged you know it's like I feel like I've transcended most of that but I think it's an important thing for me to eloquate because I think maybe other people can relate to that
1: Uh, I mean that that whole um concept of like being in your head and oh here they're coming and they're thinking about me and like projecting that like I got chills when you said that, right? Cuz that's, that's me, like my own like I've I've had like this self-worth or this self-image or my my own image of myself and my worth has just it's like a, a just like a trough of wet slop, you know? Like I just have such a horrible view of myself and had for so long, and then when you say something Like that, like as far as I always thought you were like even keel and and I was always on this side of the the street or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Like I've just always had this deep, dark Midwestern secret loathing and it makes me sicker and sicker and it gets more toxic and toxic as the cauldron boils because I just hate myself so much. And that hatred just gets stronger and stronger and stronger because I'm holding it in, right? Like this... Is these secret, these well, these feelings of anxiety and and these stress levels are secretive, and these secrets are killing me. You know what I mean? And then eventually, you know, it all it all came to the surface and exploded. But like, yeah, I totally I totally get that. Like, I'm in my head so much of the day. You know, like, what does this person think of me? I want them to like me. uh What can I do to make them like me? Oh, I guess I'll. I'll I'll shower them with compliments, you know, or, you know, which is obviously a defense mechanism or, you know, what, what can I do for you? Because secretly I just want to do this for you because I want you to like me. So it's where it is. Self-serving again, right. Uh, uh, Serving my, my own self-interest, even though it's just emotional. uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting and it's real. And I feel like it's something that a lot of us, deal with or feel or perceive but I have realized time and time again um so many times where I've been concerned about something like it turns out like to be all of the the angst and heartache and worrying about how somebody thought or felt about me and then when the kind of like actual reality of the situation presented itself it is never what my speculative mind has thought it has been. My speculative mind always goes to the worst case scenario. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it does. That's what speculation does. Uh-huh. That's why the Buddhists say, you know, speculating is suffering. Um, uh, but sometimes it's like, it's like the people don't even remember it. You know what I mean? Like I, I called my, fr- I think I may have mentioned this in a, a bunch of podcasts ago. I don't know. But anyway, my good friend, Heather, that I went to college with, Mm-hmm. When I was manic, my first manic episode in uh, my freshman year of college, I like kind of like bullied her into letting me borrow her car because I wanted to go down to Dearborn, Michigan to go to this Hindu temple because I thought I was supposed to go there for the Hindu woman's 50th birthday party. And then I did go there and I took my shirt off and I went into Uh a bridge and everybody was like, what's going on? And then she invited me to sit down and eat dinner with her family for real. And then she said to me, I believe that Krishna sent you to me as a gift for my 50th birthday party. <laughs> Mind exploded. Right, my right. insanity validated. No offense. Her insanity validated, <laughs> whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I felt bad about that for a really long time. Me and Heather have recently got back in touch and she's like, and and I was like, hey, I just wanted to say Oh and no! I actually wrote out a story about it, and I sent it to her, and sh- and she and I said in that story how I was like, oh, I felt I still felt bad about that in the story, and she was like, hey, I remember a bunch of stuff from that time. And she's like, but I don't even remember that, dude. Right? Like, right. don't sweat it. And there's been so many more instances of that. One today, literally, because I get so crazy about this shit. Like, I texted a friend of mine, my friend Nagin Nagin Farsad, mm-hmm. brilliant comedian, has an awesome podcast called Fake the Nation, um, like a uh, uh, political comedy podcast, and um and i've been texting her different articles or an emailed her some stuff here and there not even like a bunch but here and there right and then i was like oh she didn't get back to me i'm like holy shit am i being presumptuous by like sending her stuff like unsolicited like she didn't ask for that like why am i doing that you know and like and like it's like so so i finally emailed her i mean i texted her today after not hearing for a week cuz she just happened not to get back with me probably because oh you know she's got like uh daughter who's like not even a year old you know what i mean and is like right. running her own fucking podcast and doing a ton of shit whatever you know what i mean um so i texted her being like hey i didn't mean to be presumptuous about that i was just sending it and she was like she's like message back she's like what are you she's like ha 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 like what are you talking about no not at all like i thought you were sending it to help like for the podcast and i was like oh yeah no i was i was just like kind of i was honest i was like i've just been feeling kind of like you know, fired up about politics. So I got like a little bit paranoid that I was maybe kind of doing something, you know, like I was like, like I was taken like, li- like, you know what I mean? Like I was being disrespectful, some respect, but it was like that. What happens is there is like, yeah, maybe from your guys perspective, that sounds a little bit like what the fuck. But what I'm trying to get at is every form of communication outside of face to face in person, there's a real serious, like a uh, degrading de- degradation of, like how accurate you can kind of interpret what's going on. Right. So it's like the micro expressions and all that stuff of when you're connecting with somebody face to face and that sort of that energy, it kind of even transcends the specifics of the dialogue that's happening when there's a screen, you can see somebody, it still exists to an extent, but then it's like, you know, then talking on the phone. And once you get down to texting, it's like the speculation of even, even just the waiting for the response between texts. You guys ever notice, you know what I mean? How that feels, right? Yeah, the disconnect so, and, is and it
1: is palpable. It's just, it's horrendous. Yeah, yeah, and especially for what you're talking about, for somebody that lives in their head, from you know, at times, I should say, not not broadly, <laughs> for that for that wait time, right? Yeah, you start playing playing uh, the scenarios and stories, or you know, you're you're dri- you're driving that bus, man, and you got all these vo- these voices riding that bus, and they're like, dude, stop, 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 and you're gonna stop if you if you're like me. You got all these voices and like stop the bus, and you stop, and they're like thanks, and you're like yeah, but we're not getting where we need to go. I got to stop stopping this bus, and they're like well fuck her. stop listening to us, and you can keep driving. <laughs> but um, I know ex- yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And then as far like check this, this is this is what that brought up. If you want to talk about moments where the other person has no recollection of it whatsoever, yet it's formed and shaped your entire view of yourself. Get this. <laughs> Ugh. So I'm in seventh grade, right? Uh, I'm in uh, band class. I'm playing the drums. Uh, my buddy Nick is there. He, I'm, we're, we're standing by the, the bass drums or whatever, and he just looks over me. He goes, "You know, everybody I know kind of got small noses, and yours kind of goes out and down. You know, it's like it's like a bigger nose." And uh, Johnny, that happened in, in seventh grade. What was I? Thirteen. Most times when I look in the mirror, I hear this kid say, you got kind of like a big nose, Uh, uh, interpreted, you know, you're a different guy, interpreted, you're weird, Uh, interpreted like, you'll never fit in, interpreted, you'll never be normal, interpreted, you're on the outskirts, interpreted, you're you're worth nothing. And that is a fucking formative moment that I guarantee you this kid Nick doesn't remember saying, hey, you got a... Kind of an outie there. You got an outward nose. Like, I don't know why he said it, but, like, so what is that? What does that tell you? That's, you know.
0: Hold on a <laughs> second. So, but he <laughs> – first of all, I want to say I'm I, – I, I mean, I'm laughing, but I want to say that I have, I'm sorry that you've had to deal with, like, the pain of every time – because you have a beautiful fucking face. I mean, holy shit. I mean, you're soft on the eyes. But the thing is, like, if you – every time looking in the mirror, you have to deal with – the memory of a kid from middle school talking about your nose but he wasn't even overtly like talking trash about your nose right he was almost saying it matter-of-factly
1: well right i'm in his head right so i'm in his head saying you know living out his statement for me who knows why he said it maybe he was trying to cut me down no, but- or maybe he was just <laughs> like my
0: big nose i don't know never no, but- but when he said it to you, did he say it matter-of-factly, or he said it in a bullying type of way?
1: No, no, he was a friend of mine. It, it was just, maybe it was like a ribbing kind of way. I don't even know. And by the way, let me, I didn't preface it. I don't sit and cry in the mirror over this. There's an awareness I have of it, and I think it's fair that this awareness, when this um, these thoughts slip into my head when I look in the mirror, I go, motherfucker, what a crazy... I, I use the word crazy and, and I don't, I don't use it in an extremely pejorative way. Right. But like,
0: isn't that the something, all the time. isn't
1: that something that this one statement, this kid said to me that he doesn't remember at all. I am allowing to, um, uh, you know, uh, inter intercept, you know, some joy for me almost on a daily basis or did, you know what I
0: mean? Uh, yeah, well, it's like, you know, but like, like you said right there, you're like, you know, the, it's the judgment that you put on that thought, and this honestly, so much of this stuff, I feel like I just want to say the the whole idea of kind of talking about it right there, how bad text and all that stuff was. It's like, I mean, the elements of that is just things that the again that Josh Corda with the K from Dharma Punks, he kind of talks about that those neuroscience principles. He's read it from someplace. It's like you know, so I just think it's in, it's important stuff. But it's the same thing. It's like the mindfulness you were talking about. You were saying it earlier. The whole idea of you know, having, you put it, you you said the words differently, but it was essentially, it was like having some sort of like, kind of like awareness of when these recurring negative thoughts come sure. up, that if you, mm-hmm. Can like just acknowledge That they're happening Instead of putting the Judgment on them Correct The judgment is what Fuels the fire so they Keep coming back you know What I wanted to say Earlier was you said a Version of that that Meant the same thing but It's like yes that's what We all have to do and Just because we know it Doesn't mean you can Just do it all the time It's a constant practice So that's why I think It's okay to keep Talking about it and I Promise you psychos Listening we're just Going to keep talking About it on a bunch of Episodes moving forward Because it's the Constant practice that's Why it's a meditative Practice that's why it's a mindfulness practice and we're going to fucking practice together and we're going to make it fucking fun and hilarious it's a communal Um, ride
1: it's a communal ride and that and that is wildly important to to understand that because we just you know and i've probably said already and and i'm done saying um uh in case i sound cheesy but fuck that like you know there's nothing you know we we hop on the boat we hold each other's hand we talk about what's fucked up in our head we talked about what's what's joyful and happy in our head and and you know and that's what gets us through another day at least at least in my life right and that's and that's what this podcast helps it's an aid it's a tool it's a it's a mechanism to to keep that
0: boat going baby why why the fuck not you know it is dude we're you know it's like what else what else are we gonna do guys like all we have all we got is each other y'all like this the fucking come on i mean we we need okay obviously among so many other things. Like, you know, our healthcare system is fucked up. Healthcare systems are fucked up in other places too. Like it is all you know what I mean? Like it's better here. It is but there. I mean, it's better there. It's worse here. Relative, yeah. But it's like we have we have, we have each other. We have people with experience with all these different things. Like people who have emailed me, you guys at take your at gmail.com with your guys' stories. That's been helpful mm-hmm. with topics, ideas to talk about. That's been awesome. Um, because it's like I you know what I you know I'm going to I'll tell everybody what I got to do this cuz this made me feel really good. Um I'll just say very briefly like um a friend of a friend they were going through something they were going through. A, um they had they had their first manic episode didn't have any context for it. Um, I was able to get connected. We all had a nice chat and that person that was a that was a net positive for that person. And that made me feel awesome. It was a net positive for me too. For me to be able to do that, it actually almost makes me cry right now because yeah. that is a redemptive thing for me, you guys. That's redemptive mm-hmm. for me. You know, because I I know I know that my actions over the years, even though unintentional, have caused pain and difficulty for people mm. people that I love you know I still know now being back in the house now with my mom and my brother we're all getting along but even since I've been here at times when they've been worried that uh, that I might spin out and stuff like that you know they we're all like getting along but I could see beneath the surface how how worried they are mm-hmm. and that they they don't really get to have the bandwidth or they don't get to have the space to actually really express that or feel comfortable expressing that and it's made me realize like oh wow there's healing that needs to happen on their end mm-hmm. that I'm just realizing, and I'm actually kind of realizing it. And it's uh, and I'm, ex- I'm And it's it's emotional, but it's also exciting. Like this is this is the work because when we push through that, and I know that we will, it's just gonna make our relationship even closer. And that's why I wanted to ask you first. I want you first. I want you to respond and say what what you're about to say. But I also wanted to double back and talk about when you were saying one of the tools that you have in your tool uh, tool belt is um is gratitude practicing gratitude Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i know enough about that or if maybe i do it intuitively to an extent but uh but maybe we could talk about that but go ahead say what you were gonna say
1: well i can i can utilize the two in tandem like so as far as me utilizing gratitude it's like seeing you um quite frankly get emotional there like i have so much gratitude for this moment we just shared because cause it's a very special moment and it's unique and it's one only you and I will share. Listeners, yeah, but you're on the fringe. Like we just, I just, <laughs> you just let me into your world. So that 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 piece of gratitude or that, that, that piece of your world I can be so grateful and hold on to and that that's what moves me on to the next moment. It's, it's that living in the moment. And then for you specifically on what I was gonna say regarding that, it's your realization of what you're seeing you know, happening with other people, like that's, that's a gift right there. Uh, I mean, let alone the gift of being able to re have an outreach to somebody else going through something that you have experienced dealing with something you are uniquely experienced in aiding and helping with. Like, that is such a gift, man. Like you have to, you have to give that away in order to keep your own. The only term I can think of is like, sanity or wellness, right? You, you, if you, if you give it out, like that's selfishly, you maintain your own well-being. really. I mean, obviously these, these are things I believe in and have attained through, you know, part of my story is recovery for sure. Right. But that, that's a huge part of it, man. Like just being grateful for, for small little treats throughout the day, uh, make the day as a whole, like all that much better. And you know, my days are not all tulips and toffee. You just saw what, like what I go through in the mirror sometimes, you know, little nose voice in my head, but, but that's okay. There's gratitude in that too. There's gratitude in the awareness of that because dude, there's nothing funnier than being able to step back and seeing how bananas, bananas cake that is. You know what I mean? Like being able That's to, amazing, but but I I don't mean that in a negative way. That is a treat to me. Like I love 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 stupid shit like that. Like we were talking about earlier before the pod. You have a character named Carlton S. Doom. I get. Okay, everybody, this is like a
0: really old character. Yeah. It was my comedy manager. Okay, Carlton S. Doomp was John F. O'Donnell's comedy manager. I was his only client and he was trying to destroy my life. Uh, he basically he got me drunk. Uh, he got me like blackout drunk off of moonshine uh, and made me sign away 51% of my life rights. Like, that's the backstory.
1: It's a beautiful backstory. It's a beautiful character. <laughs> I get limitless joy to this day when I'm driving, when I'm walking thinking about you naming that character so it's <laughs> it's meta right i picture you in your little room and we'll get to we haven't even got to how we met by the way and i, I you know i promise we will we'll
0: double we'll we, we will double back what we're sure. doing right now is what i want to be doing of course of
1: going. course absolutely but it's me picturing you coming up with this backstory this character and then mwah, giving it the name of doom which is just,
0: just a play dump on dump. That's stupid.
1: And that is, that brings me limitless joy. Cause that is the stupidest <laughs> thing ever. And it is that, that is where at least my comedy sensibilities um, tend to lie. And I used to fight that a lot. it just, just real quick on comedy. I'd be like, no, I have to be uh, intellectual and, and introspective. And I was like, but it, now that I've stepped back, you know, Johnny's got that taken care of. I have my <laughs> Simpsons sensibility. Not that people writing that aren't brilliant. But just give me the dumbest shit, and I want to live inside of it, and I and I love it. And that's a guy who hasn't graduated high school. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, shut up.
0: Okay, hold on. A couple of things. <laughs> Everybody listening at home, he's, okay. I First of all, I like stupid shit, too. I like a lot of dumb comedy. I fucking love funny stuff. I came up with Carl's Nest, too. <laughs> oh, okay. God, I hiding me to turn but it on you. <laughs> also, also, another thing. Is that you guys? I would call him. So he would also his nickname. Would be, He would call himself the Doomster. Oh, yeah. So there was like two things, oh, you know what so I mean? And then he would have a song. He'd be like, Doom, Doom, Dong, Doom, 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 Dong. Well, actually, his voice was kind of different. He'd be like, Well, hello there. I'm Carlton S. Doom, A.K.A. the Doomster, A.K.A. Doom, Doom, Dong, Doom, ba, Doom, 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 Dong. Keep the head spinning. That is a hip hop lyric. And he's like, Whatever. Hey, anyway, no, but- no, no,
1: no. There was a timing on your initial the initial video you showed me. Oh, so good. Just I, as the, l- listen Carlton S.
0: Doom. Okay, <laughs> Let's, just relax. Stop. Just stop. 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 Oh, uh, it's like, th- yeah. Okay, uh, it's not translating right now, but anyway, uh, I promise you guys at home, Carlton S Doom's pretty funny. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that old video oh, actually. That's a treat. But uh, but what I want to say to you is so you know so we can use comedy to kind of like get rid of these vulnerabilities and insecurities or at least transcend them because we can share them publicly with people and have people laugh with us about them they kind of can heal it for us that's the aspect of that creative expression i mean you being able to talk about this weird recurrent sort of nose heckle that you've been dealing with <laughs> yeah
1: hashtag nose heckle all right sorry has yeah it, man nose heckle
0: oh. since like seventh grade has that allowed you to transcend it yet i mean you're talking about it because it maybe is this the part of the brain like the fear part of the brain is the amygdala that never like forgets anything but i don't know is this sort of recurring thing i don't know i don't know what part of the brain but like the fact that you talk about it now and you're aware of how ridiculous it is that must have taken some of the power away of it from it right so
1: Hold on. Again, college, uh, not college, high school education. The amygdala amygdala holds the fear, anxiety uh, aspects in your brain.
0: Is that true? A couple of things. Yes, yes. It is like little fear guy that you can't like, you can't learn, you can't, you can't like teach it to go away. You know what I mean? You can only like expose your therapy. You know what I mean? Like you have to like, you can't like, it's like, let's say you're dating somebody and then. It goes really bad and you don't want to go on that. It's okay. Better example. Uh me and first of all, okay. Just L I C. We lived together in Long Island City uh when I had one of my most extreme manic episodes ever in my life. And H face was acutely aware of that. Uh we're gonna get to that because we now because it makes sense. Because this is what it is. It's like after all that shit went down in our place in Long Island City, Queens on Vernon Boulevard, um, off of Vernon Boulevard on 47th Avenue, for years and years and years after that, haunt, Yeah. I could not walk down that street. Ooh. Even when I could walk back to LIC, and even as long as it took me to be able to even feel comfortable going back to the creek in the cave, and how beautiful mm. it was that I got roasted the first time I went back there. That was a that was a beautiful that thing. Be but yeah, that was cool. That felt like I was like, oh wow, okay, I am. You know, my my community of comics are not letting me. You know, hobble back into this this venue that we started. The Kingdom of Heaven and the Jerk Practice were the first comedy shows there, and um. I'm pin that, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. you know, so so it's the sort of thing where it's like I, you know, I didn't like, you know, hobble back in there like you know they ripped me a new asshole, which is so beautiful. It's like a great, let's say, it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's like a sign of all this mutual respect and love, you know. So that was awesome. But what I'm saying is the amygdala, the because of the trauma that I experienced there, and the trauma that I I knew that I caused there, and the trauma I felt towards myself because of the trauma that I caused there. I just couldn't go near our old place. Like I couldn't. And if I didn't sort of acknowledge that, address that, figure out, and also figure out that, that process of self-forgiveness, uh, then I never, then that feeling would have never gone Mm -hmm. away. And that is why people like, let's say somebody, you know, falls off a bike or something like that uh you know they're going to have that anxiety thing forever until you know like if it gets bit by a dog or something like that it's going to the stuff is going to sit there forever until they they kind of go through a process of a level of exposure therapy and some and mindfulness about it and different sort of things but just the idea of rationalizing it away will not work again right now i and this maybe this will be the last time i say it in my head right now what i explained um was my own personal experience, but it was also a combination of things that this UK specialist uh, named Peter Smith, who treats bipolar in a more naturopath way, some of the stuff that he had said, and it's also some of the stuff that uh, I heard from Dharma Punks. So I feel like I'm feel like i talking about things that I know are helpful. and I'm not trying to like bite anybody's style, but also because I'm a stand-up comedian and I'm so like, touchy about like stealing anybody stealing jokes or vice versa i feel this need to kind of say that um but anyway yeah so i the amygdala is the fear part of the brain but what i'm trying to say to you is do you think if you could like let go of this this nose heckler (laughs) by like what if what if (laughs) what if listen listen what if you what if you wrote a sketch where it was like like a uh like a like a smaller nose talking to your nose, being like, Whoa, dude, you got a really fucking circular face, dude. You know what I mean? And then the nose became insecure about the face. Huh? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, you if it?
0: you go back. Okay. You're the sketch writer. Okay. You're the sketch writer, right? I'm the stand up. No, no, if no. You guys no, no, can't no, no. see at That's home. Like, fair. I thought That's I said something fair. that it was going to um, be really funny. Like, instead of the nose, the face. And he goes like this. He goes like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, kind of shrugged his shoulders. Like, you rewrite it, make it your own, you know, Sakamagundi. So
1: that's, that's a beautiful sketch too. So getting like the, um, what I want to get at is I I love and one, thank you part of part, by the way, part of my recovery, just in general with my wellness is me no longer, um, putting up a front with something I don't know, you know, like that nod, like, oh yeah, yeah, man, amygdala. Sure. No, no, no. I, I was unaware of that and there's a vulnerability in that, right? I had to get over that. And you explained it to me, and now I have, you know, uh, this knowledge regarding this part of my brain, and of course my amygdala, if it is the fear muscle of the brain, (laughs) it is this rich, hearty, strong, beastly, you know, piece of my brain, but I have the tools to quell and pet it, for sure, and I think getting to answer that question, oh, absolutely, like going through um, talk therapy and behavioral therapy and recovery and medication. Like, yeah, I, I have, um, these, um, mechanisms that I can go, you know,
0: one-on-one with my amygdala, man- amygdala, you know, <laughs> and- <laughs> and- <laughs> amygdala. I'm not sure exactly how to spell it, but it's a very old part of the brain. It's a very old part. and It's very small. And it's like walnut size shaped. And it's kind of like in the back someplace. Um, yeah, but I mean, I implore everybody else to look up more about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's the, that's the fear center of the brain.
1: And here's yeah, the fear yeah. center. Here's the cycle. You want to get on the cycle? Just going back and forth right now. Do you know where I'm at? I am in the heads of all of you listeners out there, all your listeners. I am in their heads right now as they think I'm a stupid piece of shit because I don't know what the amygdala is. That's what's going on on this side of your screen, Johnny.
0: I think that's fucking crazy. I'm gonna stop you. I'm not even gonna let you fucking like, you know, spin out and talk about it. That's crazy because you have been nothing but eloquent the entire time. You're saying such beautiful, insightful things. I'm saying things that I sort of know about and I'm just being honest about the level to which I know them and don't know them so we can all work together to learn stuff. Nobody knows everything. Plus, you know, you didn't graduate high school. True, true, true. <laughs> okay, guys. Okay, we finally have to explain this Talk joke to them. Talk about another moment
1: joke? that totally transformed my entire existence from nothing. Nothing <laughs> no, from a comment. No, like it's seared sorry. in my brain I'm the sorry. whole interaction. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. Oh, don't be
1: sorry. It's part of my journey for sure. And okay. and as we tell all the right. listeners, they're gonna again <laughs> let me get in your head, listeners. They're gonna go, "Fuck this guy!" Really rides the waves of other people's vibes, man. All the way to the bank. All the way to the present moment.
0: I told Hans. I told you today. I texted a new mother an apology about sending her an email with a news article right. of which I've been a guest on her podcast multiple times. She's a very close friend of mine. We used to be roommates. She doesn't give a fuck that I sent her an email and a text with a couple of articles that are interesting. That was a product of me being like, what? Because this is what I am. like, what am I doing? Am I, am I sending people things because I think they'll be interested in them or are I doing it for my own edification? Mm, interesting. You know
1: what I mean? Yes. And, yes.
0: And sometimes with me... Sometimes Sometimes with me, I don't think it was with her, but maybe it even was a little bit. It's like, I think sometimes it is with my own edification. So I, mm-hmm. that's something I need to be aware of. And that's so I think a, yeah. that I kind of was being oversensitive. Can you
1: know? I get to the high school thing? And actually, I'm feeling warmed up. I think I can get us real quickly to the point where I meet you and then get to the point where you insult me and you change my life forever. Um.
0: <laughs> okay, go for it So, uh,
1: like I was saying, you know, uh, as we started my, my writing partners and I, Casey and Henning um, Had this sketch group in Minneapolis, the jerk practice We moved to New York to start performing sketch comedy And this is at the time when, I would say the uh, A very cool scene was happening in the Lower East Side At this place, Pianos And Rafifi, very specifically, the whitest kids you know at a show um, Greg um, Johnson an amazing show at Rafifi and it's at Rafifi where hold on a I second we have, if we're,
0: we're going to bring if you yes yes if, I, if you're going to bring up Rafifi we have to give a little bit more Okay yeah oh for absolutely fair fair um so yeah you guys all right you want to know about like the super rad second wave of alternative comedy in New York City circa late 90s early 2000s I'll tell you about it it's a place called Rafifi mm. on 2nd Avenue and 11th Street it was this Crazy like small kind of dive bar venue and had this cool awesome room for comedy in the background in the back and the first show that was there was called invite them up Mm -hmm. this kind of like uh, flagship show with Eugene Merman and Bobby Tisdale Mm -hmm. and they built up this whole scene and there were different shows every night of the week by the time uh, myself. And Hans had moved to the scene. It had already been going for, like, a, a few years. So we were, like, these newbies, like, bouncing around in there and, like, being intimidated as hell because, like, huge comics. Now, comics that are super famous now are there all the time. Like, you know, Dimitri Martin was rolling through all the time. John Benjamin, Aziz Ansari, um, you know, obviously Eugene, Christenshaw. You know, like, mm-hmm. that whole crew came through there. And uh, it was Reggie really, Watts. really fun time. Reggie Watts. Yeah. Yeah. The whitest kids you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jenny Slate, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's like, it was, uh, it was, it was a great, it was a really, really cool time, and it's and so many other great comics too. Like, but, um, and and it was, it was just like the t- the level of the level of talent there the comics were so funny and also the audiences the audiences had such strong comedy iqs like they were really were willing to go with you on weird interesting stuff and it was just it was just such a fun thing it was like you were like you're like oh i'm i'm in this kind of new york city comedy scene and these people are so funny that it's like wow if i put in the work i'm going to get broken down and built built back up and i can you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get really good at this thing that i care about and love and also we were just fucking partying all the time too right 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 <laughs> and getting shit-faced every night yeah but it was fun as hell man it was great times you know oh so go ahead yeah yeah that's yeah. where we that's met.
1: where yeah that's where we catch up and you're talking to that that amazing you know alt comedy scene late 90s early 2000s you're talking to the guy who was on the periphery of the periphery of the periphery of it, baby. No. So I, um, I'm, I'm hanging out with, with Timmy, obviously. And I'm starting to meet all these who will be prolific comics, not to say they weren't prolific at the time with their ideas and, and their, their, you know, presence and concepts and whatnot. And all of a sudden this Midwestern rube is plopped right down in the middle of it. Right. And, and that's, you know, that's like me coming down on myself a little bit, but it's very, very true. And that's getting back to that awareness of it, just feeling super anxious and, uh, unworthy and, and nervous. And, 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 you know, you put out those, when you do feel like that, in my opinion, those vibes are transmitted, right? So, uh, at least in my mind, it was very hard for me to connect with people. And if I was connecting It wasn't necessarily the healthiest um, of connections or 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 I couldn't really make um, uh, an honest meet. And then I meet you. I meet you at Rafifi and you were one of my uh, earliest New York friends, to be quite frankly, uh, to be quite frank. And um, and we connected and you were kind and gracious and generous with your comedy and your thoughts on the scene and your thoughts on the city. Because, you know, you've been there longer. You're from the Northeast, right? I'm from South Dakota and it showed, and that's fine. Watertown, South Dakota, oh. yeah. yeah. And um, and it was really hard for me to navigate. And thankfully, people like you and and Reggie Watts and um Vince Averill and Jesse Pop and and all these people that that uh and and many people that I can't even name like uh or that are too many to name like were generous in 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 allowing me to like um, you know, feel more comfortable in the scene because but the, I was always.
0: Um it was intimidating for everybody, dude. Yeah. It's, sure. It's, you know what I mean? Like I was intimidated all the time, you know, but everybody was. It's that's a challenge. But it's like it's like uh, you know, it's trying to pursue, you know, it's like you know, carve out your kind of your niche in the New York City comedy world, you know? It's like but but you were not it wasn't it was never like, oh Hans is around. It was like you were part of the crew, dude. You're the best. Like it was hilarious. Like you were, you you were hilarious. You were wearing that like you're ironically wearing the uh, try and burn this one. He wore it, guys. He, like, so we're talking about the East Village. Everybody's just like, you know, it, actually, it was kind of like before hipsterdom even became like obnoxious. You know what I mean? It was actually when it was kind of more genuine, I think. Um, But it was a little before that. But anyway, still, like Hans to bounce around from South Dakota wearing like, a baseball cap with a flag on it that said try and burn this one like and kind of like the, the way he was like the way that he was looking if somebody didn't realize that he was like this hilarious person that was like living this ironic life it would be like oh he's like a villain you know what I mean <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well th- see thank you very much so what I'm trying to convey is and it might seem like hyperbole or something I just want to be very honest right here of how i felt in my head regardless of you know potentially how you perceive me or not it's just it's just very very true and it's taken me a long time to realize that and then embrace and respect that but you know and and like you said we're not terminally unique we're all walking around these with these balls of emotions that we're you know juggling and trying not to you know let let fall out of our hands in front of anybody everybody else i meet you at rafifi you're generous you're 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 loving, you're kind, you're funny as hell. Um, you tell me about other sho- shows, you um you give me advice me and Casey advice on writing and sketch and are genuinely encouraging. Uh as for our sketch work, sketch work and honest, brutally honest at times. Does it, does that ring a bell? And that that's super important. Well,
0: I've- I've always liked your guys' work and I've always been so impressed I was always I was always so impressed with your guys output like how much you were able to write and I was always I told you this I was always jealous actually because I was like oh man. They have this great like c- creative collaboration, and I'm like out here and I'm trying to write, and I can't. Sometimes I just fucking sit and I put my fucking pen on the paper, and I can't even come up with anything. I'm like wasting fucking hours. Like, what am I doing? You know? And it's like, oh, they wrote a fucking hundred sketches, did it? You know? So I I was always jealous of your guys like uh, of your guys your guys uh, camaraderie, not camaraderie, because we have camaraderie, but I mean like I know what you mean of your guys. Your creative collaboration, yeah. you know what I mean, and that, but, and that
1: obviously yeah. is a
0: blessing. But of course, within
1: within your sketch group, you're you're secretly going, or for me, I'm secretly going. God, I wish I had the balls to step away and get on stage <laughs> alone and do this shit my own. But I got my main, I got my crutches here under this arm and this arm, and 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 both are beautiful, right? Um, so yeah. we start hanging out, and this leads us all the way up to used to come into a bar I used to work at kind of towards closing, right, in Chelsea um, on 23rd Street. And then afterwards, we'd go hang out, drink a little too much, and and talk comedy, talk whatever. And really, really fun times. I just remember um, a very iconic walking down like 7th and 8th Avenue, the way it it used to look then, even though it wasn't that long ago. And you turn to me at one point. We're walking down 8th Avenue. We're like in front of a vacuum store or something. I say something. That I, I don't necessarily think is profound, but I think is reasonable. Now, I wish I knew what I said, but I think it was a reasonable statement of reasonable intellect or competence. And you turn to me <laughs> and you say, and you say, did you graduate high school? And I laughed immediately. I laughed. So, and it was because it's such an, it to me. And by the way. Uh, there's the graduating high school doesn't mean shit. You know, that is, this is not meant to, um, diminish anybody that doesn't want to graduate high school. Didn't that's a non-issue anyways. Yeah. I'm laughing expecting to, and the look on your face was so (laughs) genuine. Like you were asking me a genuine question because you truly believed I didn't graduate high school and it wasn't just that look. So I saw that look. It was the, it was the shift of you going, Oh Oh, I guess I'm wrong. And I caught the talk about micro expressions or whatnot. I was just like, holy shit. So, so, and now that you know what goes on in my head, what do you oh, think? Oh, God, it felt you... awful. Oh, my God. It's the worst
0: person for that to happen to I could ever fucking imagine in my life. Oh, uh, A couple of things, though. A couple of things, though. A couple of things, though. First, when I said that, I swear to you, I swear to you, will you maybe you won't believe me, I swear to you, when I was saying it, it wasn't a sort of thing where it was in response to something that you said that I thought was, like, stupid or questionable. So I was like, did you graduate high school? Dumb-dumb, that was not it. In my mind, I was like, oh, Hans is, like, this really interesting, like, outsider, interesting character. I know he's, like, an artist. I know that he went to art school, but, like, didn't have, like... In my mind, you didn't have any sort of kind of like traditional upbringing or anything like that. So I was like, oh, maybe he didn't even like go to a regular high school. So I was like, that's why I was like, did you graduate high school? Like, (laughs) it was not. Wait, wait. So first, second of all, you're completely wrong. I remember where we were. We were not walking down the street. If you say we we were were outside.
1: okay. sorry. Go ahead. Not to interrupt you.
0: I think we were at. I think it was called the West Side Tavern because we were drinking with fucking Dave Attell. Yeah, it was one of the. Remember, every once in a while, late at night, he would kind of bounce around over there, yeah. and we would be in there. So it was that bar where you'd walk in and, you know, and it was the bar was right on the left, and the pool tables in the back. We were standing right outside there, smoking a cigarette, and that's when I was like, "There's no way this motherfucker went to high school." I'm just uh, but but that's that's when I said it. No, is that. Is that you? Don't re- well, call it like now that? that I'm
1: recalling. It, I recall then turning away and seeing Dave Attell laughing with you about my lack of education. Shut the fuck Uh, up. It's possible, you know, uh, you know, so far off, I create these scenes and narratives, especially as a as an alcoholic, like I've created an entire world that probably hasn't happened because I'm trying to fill in all these blackout gaps in my life. And some of them are some of them are are, are quite romantic and others are maybe a little um, demonic than than they actually were. if you want to talk about people places and things and not wanting to go near certain areas because you feel like your skin will fall off because because they're waiting to arrest yeah. you around every
0: corner yeah couple, couple of things okay um fuck okay so yeah so you so you romanticized our story that it happened in front of a vacuum cleaner store but but okay that's the first thing second thing before i forget i really i think that you've gotten the uh I've gotten the short end of the stick on this one because you have made fun of me for saying that to you for about 15 years now. And it's always funny. And I'm always immediately framed as the heel in a funny way. And it's funny, number one, but also now that I know that it, it got its grips into you, like like real deep, it actually has worked out in your favor because you put yourself through college later in life and studied super, super hard. And like, and you love history and it like, whether you had an insecurity about not graduating uh, from college or not, the the fact that you thought that someone could think could look at you and be like that motherfucker didn't graduate high school motivated you to get a college degree. We are getting somewhere here, in me, because my life is
1: just catapulted or by these heckles. There's the nose heckle, it's, that that caused me to have all this like self these self image problems and go to the gym even though it made me miserable because I wanted like uh I wanted to get oh, out yeah, of myself. Oh yeah, you got jacked, right?
0: You got jacked at one point. All out you of insecurity, right?
1: All because of the nose heckle. I went to high school because of the J. Fod High School uh, college because of the J. Fod High School heckle. That was 4 <laughs> to 5 years of my life, you know, <laughs> as an adult. Like think of, you know, but- obviously I'm I'm maybe dramatic, but there's something deep there that goes, "Oh yeah." remember that, that, that guy I respect, that, that, smart, <laughs> that smart comic who's a friend of mine. He didn't even think I graduated high school. I guess I'll go, I guess I'll take all of these requirement tests, eke my way into a community college, because I didn't do well in high school, eke myself into a community college, get my grade up to a 4.0 so I can go to Columbia, and then not, because I didn't have the money, and then go to a different school, and then all of a sudden I find myself with this degree and going, well, I showed him.
0: <laughs> it's really fucked up.
1: Oh yeah, cuz you got into Columbia, right? No, god, absolutely not. Oh. I I oh, I got a letter that I could apply. You went to
0: LaGuardia
1: <laughs> 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 They're like we might we might take a look at you cuz it was um real quick for the um uh, uh what the New York um City Schools.
0: You went to La- You went to LaGuardia Community College. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Why why am I blanking on it? CUNY, CUNY, City University yeah. of New York. Um LaGuardia College had this um, um, scholarship program with Columbia, which you know subsidized your education drastically. So, underprivileged kids who could afford to go to a community school under CUNY couldn't potentially go to one of these Ivy League schools. That's it. I got and a letter you got- to attend a conference, and in my head, I'm going, "Well, they <laughs> wanted me, but I can't afford it. Fuck
0: you, world. You're all against me." <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, you got. Well, then you got a history degree,
1: right? No, I got a uh, creative writing degree with oh. a minor in history. Real, oh, yeah. real. <laughs> come in handy, my friend. No, I'm. You're,
0: you're already a fucking established, experienced writer for 15 exactly, years. You know I exactly, mean?
1: Johnny. Exactly. What it fuck? is all escape. Going to the gym. It is escape from myself. Going to college. It is escape from. Gym, nose heckle, college, high school heckle. And then all the heckles in between, obviously. And these these are representative of this, you know, false narrative that I've the false narrative of a treadmill that I've been running my whole life on. Which I'm acutely aware of. And this is the forum to talk about it. No, I won't go look in the mirror after we're off this and go, nose heckle, nose heckle, nose heckle. But when I'm being open and honest about my mental um uh, well being on in this podcast on this forum I am going to let it go baby because I think that's so important right that's part of it like
0: it's appreciated yeah, it's very yeah, appreciated we are all do jumping it. around, yeah. you do it know
1: we're all boxing with these amygdalas right but that doesn't mean I'm going to you know you know um have these race, racing thoughts when I go out and 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 kiss my daughter goodnight hopefully
0: you know what I mean we can okay get a couple to of that. things so we Yes. What we got to do is so keep going. So keep keep talking about So you you get basically get us to uh, L.I.C. and the creek. We'll go through that. Um, We'll talk through that fucking situation. Then let's get to bipolar one versus two. Sure. 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 Then recovery. Okay, you hear that, psychos? We got a plan. Go. Can
1: I, real quick, um, just pin? Like, uh, I know, I know, I meander a lot. So, to you, I, and do, everybody, I do too. I apologize. It's... I'm just. I, I, Stop, I don't do necessarily not. go to a to z, a to z. And that's just me with a defense mechanism to make me feel better for you and the listeners. So now I've up <sighs> <out> the guard. <laughs> I...
0: Well, as long as it's there, Hans, don't you fucking apologize one more time on this fucking podcast though. So not that you haven't a lot. You haven't a lot, but don't do it anymore because you're doing fucking great. This is so much fun. There's such good energy here and it's beautiful. And I'm excited. I'm excited for us to compare notes on Bipolar One and Bipolar Two. I'm excited for you to explain this part of um of my story and sure. our story to the listeners because I think that now, just from having Sean on the last episode and having you, I think this is the first time they're sort of getting uh, insight into this kind of like this history and lineage of, of comedy. Cause that Rafifi scene, that was the second wave of the alternative scene. But guess what? The Creek in the Cave, that was the third wave of the alternative comedy scene. And we were very, very, we were very, very central central to the beginnings of that. And that's pretty cool. You know? Oh my. Uh, yeah, but yeah. anyway, go ahead. Absolutely.
1: To, um, I don't know if it's for me to say that, but I did listen to you and Shawnee talking, Sean Patton talking on the last episode, and it's just such a stellar, beautiful episode. And I thank you both for it. And anybody that hasn't listened to that should absolutely listen to all your episodes. But that was that was very, that was, Thanks, that was very baby. sweet and and very nice to thank hear you. hear your conversation. Now, and I guess that that transitions into uh, your and uh, our journey together moving forward, right? So really, I should um, get your biscuits ready because I'm gonna slather them. There is so much um, gratitude I have towards you because you have this insatiable—is um, insatiable a fair word? You have a very—you um, have a drive that is very admirable, and uh, and uh, and your comedy runs alongside it. And luckily, I was there in your orbit. To to benefit from this drive, right? So what I'm getting at to that is getting to the creek in the cave because you were actually the one I was floundering out in deep Brooklyn. Me and me and uh, I
0: dragged you guys out of Sunset Park. You did,
1: you did, and that was uh, and that is a like like you were almost pulling us out of this like cocoon because it was very comfortable. We had a very sweet, safe um, environment in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. And we were doing our shows, but you were like, hey, there is a scene here, there is a place, and now LIC is LIC. And maybe I'm a Rue, but at the time that you introduced me to it, it was not LIC. And for those of you that understand, know what I'm saying. And you said, "Hey,
0: people didn't even know I have to. I had to tell people where it was. You know what I mean? Sure. Like the, I, I was. I had. A, I felt like I was on the tourist board of Long Island City because it's like. You know what I mean? It's like just north of Greenpoint, South Queens, but a lot of people didn't know the place was there. Then go ahead. Yeah,
1: I, I just remember walking out of the subway in the uh, the Vernon Jackson stop and feeling like I had walked onto an, an alien planet. It was so open. <laughs> yet, you know, I just I was just in Manhattan like ten minutes ago. You know, I was like, where the fuck am I? Anyways, so you take Casey and I and Jerk practice along for the ride. Specifically Casey and I, you take us into this uh into LIC and we we get this amazing apartment together, which from day 1 was was uh, a lie because one of us always had to to sleep under like to duck under the windows because this woman didn't want three of us living there. But more importantly, you took us into what would be I'll let's call it the, the third wave, the Creek in the Cave comedy scene. And that's you, dude. Um, it really is. Like I heard you that was what I was um on the episode with Sean dropping jerk practice there. And yes, we got to do a bi weekly show or bi monthly show with you yeah, every other week. Bi-weekly. There was the jerk practice and there was the kingdom of heaven. But you went into this club, you talked to Rebecca, they were doing music there. They were about to not be able to have any entertainment because the neighbors didn't want the noise. And you were the pitch man, the driven comedian, the driven artist that said, "You know what? You could do comedy here. It's not as loud. It won't be as disruptive. Let's give it a go." And look where that where that came from. I think a lot of people. Well, I shouldn't speak for anybody else. I'm I'm very grateful for that. And and that, uh, that colored my the rest of my essentially, at least my New York comedy career, right? Because that's where I met so many people. That's where I gained so much knowledge. That's where. I got to I I uh, all my creative output essentially happened uh, and 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 it was really beautiful and so that's where where our journey goes and then it goes a little awry when
0: and we had wait before before we get to awry I just want to say we had fun man very much yes that that was that was like the those were like the most fun days you know what's cool I posted I found a picture. Found an old flyer of uh of me and Timmy, because mm-hmm. me and Timmy Williams, we started a show called uh, The Kingdom of Heaven, you guys. Um, and it was like, cause Tim, me and Timmy wanted to start like an open mic together. Um, cause he he was doing a ton of sketch and he wanted to start doing some stand up. But what was funny is like right when we started, like I wanted to write sketches, so I'm like writing sketches for me and Timmy, and he's like, do- he's he's humoring me and doing them. But he, like the last thing he wanted to do is more sketches. But remember, we would dress up. I would dress up as jesus f christ then he would be altar boy timmy
1: oh absolutely of course
0: you know what i mean that's um, um
1: i don't know that was telling you but something. uh but anyway
0: yeah um so so what i just wanted to say was like i posted that picture on facebook and uh you know i just tagged a bunch of comics from like the from from the scene and just the uh the kind of positive response of everybody being like, Oh, like really remembering and enjoying those days. I was like, yeah, that was a really, really fun time. You know? Um, yeah, and uh, I thought that was, yeah, I so, that was really yeah cool. let's
1: not, yeah, let's not overlook the joyful aspect of the, of that period and the growth, man, you talk about being prolific and writing sketches. We couldn't have, we couldn't have had that opportunity unless we had to pump out sketches. Of course we were potentially looking back and you never should maybe should have, held off on having new material every week for a sketch show, like having a new hour of material as four guys that, um uh,
0: you know. Oh, yeah, you guys put that crazy pressure on yourself oh, that you were, like, wild, huh? generating new shit all the time. Yeah, because you were like, oh, you know, what if people come back and, you know what I mean? But also, I mean, you know, it was like, all, no, I was only saying, I was only just trying to, like, cap it by saying that those were uh, really fun times and I just I feel grateful to have gotten to you know be a part of it and play the role that I play played in it you know and I think it's cool Um, and I'm glad that the venue it still it became a, became a full-time comedy club and it still is it still but is right anyway absolutely yeah it, so go ahead go ahead
1: um well we had gotten to a rye and tell me if it's fair that I've gotten there and uh it's not necessarily my story to, to tell except for I will I can pull the curtain back to a conversation you and I had
0: uh, a few days ago, right? If I if I may. Okay, yeah. Let's. Uh, okay, let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna frame it then. Should I frame it a little bit? Yeah, please. Think?
1: Yeah, that'd be that'd be fine. Yeah, of course.
0: Okay. All right, guys. So now we're into um, we're into 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the uh, the the creek in the cave. This rad comedy venue in LIC that uh, me and some friends we're been, we're going in there. We're starting shows. We're developing it. Um, a lot of comedians are coming out. It would be the only time where there would be like. You know, we'd have an open mic in New York where there'd be also real audience would come out to see the shows. That's very rare in New York. And we did this special thing where we would do these shows and we would have... Uh, the comics that would go up, and then you know the ten that we picked out of the bucket. Then we'd do like a a, a late bucket pick spot called the Funny Come Lately, and then we would always have the, a thing called the Comedian of Merit, uh, which would be a comic that was somewhat more established, uh, or it was like a friend of ours that's really funny, you know. And that and then then they would close out the show with like a fifteen to twenty minute set, and so that was like a cool experience to get to be able to do that in New York, because it's hard to get stage time like that, and. Just because of the time frame and just how it all kind of came together, comics that went through and did that, it's like Reggie Watts did that, you know, uh, Kumail did the show, Kumail Nanjiani, uh Amy Schumer did the show, Anthony Jeselnik, uh Pete Holmes, you know, like, and I'm, I'm sure there's a gazillion people, like, I can't even, you know, Absolutely. but... uh. So so that was a cool thing. And it's just like the camaraderie there and the scene. It just became like such a fun thing. And like so many comics would hang out and we were all like trying to figure it out and get better at stuff and trying to like wrap our head around the scene. And, you know, and we kind of created our own our own scene there. And And it really helped. Then there was an expansion. So there was a whole bunch of shows there. But as all this stuff was happening at some point my one of my biggest nightmares in life came true that nightmare being that when i was in uh, new york and i'd already been establishing myself um and establishing my reputation that i would have another one of these manic episodes like i'd had in college and that i would sort of like you know lose my shit and fuck up my reputation and burn all of these bridges and like my my mental illness would take away my dream that i've been working so hard from for and you also have the mentality as younger comic too where it's like if you don't like hit all your marks and Like if this thing doesn't happen and this thing and then this thing, then you're like, you're fucked and you're like not going to make it or whatever. So it's like all that sort of stuff coming together. And you know, you know what? Unfortunately I did. I got sick. Um, in April of we're talking now, now we're, now we're into 2008. So everything's really building in 2007. We're into 2008. A number of comics go down to new Orleans for a, um, Mm. for a a comedy, for a comedy festival. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's Sean Patton actually put together. Mm-hmm. Um the guy was on the last one. Um oh PS side note, uh remember how we were talking about Sean being a bedwetter on the couch? Guess whose couch that was? Hans's couch, everybody. <sighs> Hans's couch. Whoa. Finally. Full circle. Finally. Dude, what, you guys what, you guys when I was talking with Hans, we, we, we had a phone conversation a few days ago, just bullshitting catching up. Um, laughing and just kind of touching base, um, and and then he goes, you know, when I listened to that episode of the podcast, I loved it. He's like, but I, I, when you brought up the couch, I kept, I was like, that's my fucking couch, man. Like, it was like a weird ego moment. And it's, oh my god, and it's
1: this beautiful, like, I'm absorbing like this beautiful conversation you have, and then I like, and of course, you know, I first I step back and go, that motherfucker, that was my couch. He just said that. He said specifically that was his couch, and then I get to step back and go, that was my couch. I remember moving that. I remember where I got that couch. And then stepping back again and going, "Are you serious right now, H? Your couch?" And then the and then uh, then the added bonus of getting to tell you that I had that 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 micro that feeling.
0: Uh, what a treat! Uh, it's so funny. Uh, it's my couch. So yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's his couch. I think I helped you move bring it in to this. I think we. I, I, think I you drove, and
1: I sat on it while Casey carried his uh, back, as per many things.
0: Casey Van Hill. He's uh. He's built to last. Um, the, uh, I drove the U-Haul. I do remember that. Um, mm. But uh, what was I going to say? So, yeah. So, we're in New Orleans and we're doing this this festival um, that Sean helps set up. And uh, and everybody's having fun. I remember it's like my birthday occurs while I'm down there. Mm-hmm. And I remember everybody's having a good time. and And I was like, you know what? I'm having fun. I'm hanging out with this girl. She just lit this like little joint that she smoked and I'm like, you know what? I can why can't I I can hit I could smoke a joint. I we smoke part of a joint. Because still in that time in my mind I was so immature that I couldn't accept, like, hey, you know, this just isn't for you, dude. Like this does not work with your brain chemistry sure. in a fun way or a healthy way or a medicinal way. It very well well may for others, but it certainly does not for you. It uh the THC combined with the bipolar brain, uh Usually, not good. But, but that being said, other people, it works for them. I don't know. The bipolar one brain, my specific thing, it's not good. Um, but I smoked some. It was kind of like intense. I was okay. But then it kind of, who knows if other things were going on. Maybe I was already starting to kind of spin out, and that's what fucked up my judgment enough to be willing to smoke. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or who knows if it's how directly it is, but it certainly didn't help anything. Cut to... Not super soon after. I'm back in New York. Start, start spinning out. Start revving up. Start getting really manic. And then once I start getting uh, more manic, then all I want to do is smoke weed. Uh, so I'm like craving it. And then in New York, you can easily I can easily get it. And, you know, it's like you can jump from friend group to friend group or meet new people, especially when you're manic and you have all this kind of charismatic energy and stuff like that, when you're not agitated and yelling at people and stuff like that and alienating the people that already know you or I should say me. I'm going to talk in the first person that already know me, um, you know, so it's like so I was doing that. And then. And then, uh, you know, and I was also constantly drinking. I remember I was drinking a ton of red wine. I was like drinking wheat, oh, yeah. weed and drinking red wine. Right. And it basically it caused a situation where I ended up being manic for such a long time. Like we're talking from, I would say, probably like April sometime in April of 2008 until November of 2008, which is like really crazy. And I was I was in and out of jail. I was in. I was, I went over to Ireland. I was in, I was in jail in Ireland. I came back. I was still at the place. It was, a, it was like really messed up. I ended up in a hospital in Queens, in Elmhurst. I was there for two and a half months. Uh, I didn't get out until mid-January of 2009, dealt with it in a depression all the way until the late summer, fall of 2009, uh, you know, and then I, 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 I found, figured cultivated the, the courage to come back to the new york city comedy scene and honestly then the kind of comedian that i became coming out the other end of it is like that that's Anything I did, any stand-up I did before that, it was just not viable because I was forced to be honest about everything from the second that I got there. I didn't brush one speck of dirt underneath the carpet at all, uh, because and that allowed me to have people not feel uncomfortable around me, and also allowed me to heal, and it allowed me to begin this sort of process of being like, okay, I'm going to turn all of this pain into comedy, and uh, that's going to allow me to become. Better at comedy because if I could figure out how to make that shit funny, I could figure out how to make anything funny. Um, uh, But before that, beautiful little kind of like a little redemption I talked about, there was a lot of uh, pain and trauma and fear and uh, fuck up that I did and caused and wreaked havoc in New York, in Long Island City, essentially. I got kicked out of an entire New York City neighborhood, (laughs) you guys.
1: Oh, man. So
0: now, with all of that, I want you to H-Face as completely honest, brutally honest, everything, like your your recollection of things, because there's things that you remember that I won't remember, and just let's do it, because it's redemptive for me. God knows the psychos love hearing about it. So uh, (laughs) have at it. Sure, sure. So
1: yeah man that's so important just real quick that aspect of you know it didn't just form your comedy like it formed who you were once you were able to be honest with it and accept it and then you were able to grow and and form your material from it like of course of course like that is that is a gift right there like and and it's so clear in all you know you're going to tell everybody where they can they can hear your stand-up if they haven't heard it and all of that and and I don't know if you have stand up actually. Do you have access to your material out there before potentially that two thousand seven um Manic episode, if I can call it that, right? Is that fair? Um and after?
0: Well, the only stuff that I have out there is from uh late two thousand nine, two thousand ten moving forward. Sure. So I don't I I mean, there's there's clips of it someplace where I have it like uh or whatever, but it's nothing uh Nothing that's out there because like, honestly, it was, it was like, uh, you know what? Honestly, somebody, at one point somebody told me like, oh, you know, take your, if it's really old shit, maybe take it off of Uh YouTube or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so I did and I have to see if I could, uh, find it. So the, uh, the quick answer is, uh, is I guess, no, no, I don't.
1: Which is uh, absolutely the right thing. But I mean, the, the, what we're talking about is inherent in that, in what happened before, was not a fully formed Johnny O'Donnell, and um, my heart breaks. I was still that funny. You know. oh, of
0: course, I know. I, I, I knew you then. You know, of course, I wasn't like tragically unfunny, <laughs> but like no, no. Uh, you know, it's just. But it's a different thing. I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I hit a new fucking level. Like, I came back, and it's like I turned that adversity, that adversity, because I didn't allow it to defeat me, it made me more human. And the fact that it made me more human uh, made me more creative. It made me more uh, insightful into myself, and I was able to take that that, that pain and make it funny. And also, uh, manic episodes are really fucking funny. <laughs> so it's like I don't even have to come up with jokes, you guys. I just have to, like, tell you things that happen to me, i.e., you know, you know, making my friend borrow her car so I can go to a Hindu woman's 50th birthday party and take my shirt off in there and go into a bridge and then have her sit me down next to her and tell me that, you know, Krishna said I'm, you know, brought to me as a gift. I mean, that writes itself, Hans, you know, it's a circle of life. It's uh,
1: yeah, all of that. Um, there's this maxim or whatever. You, it's it's not how you fall. It's how you get back up. That's it. Like, that's it. Like, we like got to fall, man. You've got to got to fall to get back up and you get back up stronger you dust yourself off a li- you you learn a little bit more like oh I, I when i fall i get dust over here a little more than over here let me let me focus on this part and then you fall again and you learn a little something else and 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 that's how we
0: grow and and that's really important you know
1: failure is a is a gift man it just sucks at the time you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah i mean that's why you're so gifted <laughs> <All> right, <burn. laughs> <All right. laughs>